Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Well, please do take a seat. And can I as well uh, wish you uh, a very happy new year, uh, welcome you here uh, this evening. My name's uh, Peter Bramwell, I am the student worker here, and it's great to uh, see you on this uh, first Sunday in the new year. Now I guess, uh, as soon as it is the first uh, Sunday in the new year, uh, you've probably guessed that we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions at some point. Uh, I wonder if, if you've made a New Year's resolution this year. Now I guess many of us have, either to uh, stop doing something, Uh, Maybe it's to stop overeating or stop biting your nails or to uh, stop or to really tackle that particular vice that we have. Or maybe you've decided to take something up, to start doing something, uh, to start reading the Bible in a year or to uh, take up a new sport or to do a particular course or learn a particular skill as your uh, new year resolution. At least those are some of the resolutions that I've made in the past. And as I've reflected on those and on the New Year's resolutions that I've made and others I've made, generally I think what I'm trying to do when I make them is to make myself a better person. Now I want to be fitter, look better, feel better, appear better before others, to be a better husband, to be a better dad, to be a better work colleague. In fact, as I've thought about it, a lot of the New Year's resolutions I make are all about me and making me into something better than I already am. But as we come to Mark chapter 8 tonight, I think we find a resolution which is for all Christians, something we should all be striving for, but something which turns our desire to make ourselves into better people on its head. But you see, that's often what God does, isn't it? He it turns our natural expectations uh, on their head. Uh, Martin uh, Luther, the great uh, reformer of the 16th century, used to speak about a, a theology of the cross. 
Now what he meant by that was that the cross shapes all theology, all our thinking about God, all our understanding of God. And often when we think about the cross, it turns our expectations on, the, on our head. Because God does the opposite of what we expect. As we think about it, as Christ died in shame and pain and weakness on the cross, bearing the curse of sin, at that very moment we see God's glory most clearly. It turns our expectations of where we would see glory on its head. And that went right the way through Jesus' life. So you think about his birth. We wouldn't expect God to become a man. We wouldn't have expected him to be born of a lowly woman, and yet that's what he, God, did. We wouldn't have expected him to be born in the backwater of Bethlehem, having to be laid in a feeding trough. If we thought God might have become a man, we might have expected him to be born in a palace with the royal obstetrician and midwife in attendance to make sure everything went well. See, God often turns our expectations of what's going to happen on their head. And that's no less the case when we come to think about our life and our ministry before God. See, as we think about what God shows us in his word, it turns what success is on its head. It turns our ambitions upside down. It changes what our New Year's resolution should be all about. And see, and that's what we see in those familiar words from Mark chapter 8. And so if you've not already, do turn back there to see which are really remarkable words which Jesus speaks to all people. Now you see that in verse 34. I'm going to really focus on verses 34 to 38. You see what verse 34 says. He says, Then he, that is Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples. If you've been reading through Mark right from the beginning, one of the things that you'll have seen is that generally Jesus has been avoiding the crowds. The crowds find him, but Jesus has been going aside and teaching his disciples. And yet here he is calling the crowds to him along with his disciples. You see, he's wanting to say these words which are coming next to more than just the 12 disciples, but to everyone interested in following him. You see, that's what we see as he starts to speak. At verse 34, and he said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone, anyone, that's you, that's me, that's people right down through the centuries, if anyone wants to follow Jesus, here's what he says to them. And when Jesus says in verse 34, and he speaks of those who would come after him, literally he's speaking of those who would follow him. You see, one translation has it, if anyone wants to be my follower. You see, Jesus speaks to those who want to be a follower of Jesus, a, a disciple of Jesus. In many ways, that's a good description of a Christian, someone who follows Jesus. And to those who want to be a follower of Jesus, see the three things that Jesus says in verse 34. They must deny themselves. They must take up their cross they must follow him. And you see right at the heart of that call there, that call to uh, take up your cross. And Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Now, I guess we've heard uh, people talking about having their crosses to bear. You know, you overhear Ethel saying to Jean, I find it so hard to get up the stairs these days with my knees. They, they creak and are just so sore. And as to getting down to tie my laces, well, it's just impossible. And Jean nods with that understanding nod and says, yes, well, Ethel, we all have our crosses to bear. 
You are 25 now. <laughs> but you see, we have our, our crosses to bear. And we often speak about it being a, some circumstance in life, some minor, sometimes a major inconvenience on life. But when we think about it as a, a difficulty in life, we miss the point. You see, one person missed the point. He wrote this. It says, after hearing my friends speak of their crosses to bear, I thought about my own. Guess what? I don't have any. Seriously, I don't. Currently, my life situation is pretty good. My family is in good health and we all have jobs. And we've had some difficulties over the years, but overall, we've been very blessed. You see, if we start to tie our crosses to bear to life circumstances, we can think, well, this doesn't apply to us. But Jesus is saying this is for anyone. See, anyone who would follow Jesus has to take up his cross. You see, taking up your cross is more than just having to bear difficult life circumstances. It's not about minor or major inconveniences. To take up your cross is to be willing and ready to die as Jesus died on the cross. The person who took up their cross were the man who, or the woman who was condemned to death. They would have to carry the crossbar on which they eventually would be executed on their shoulders, carrying it through the streets. And as the crowd saw the person walking through the streets, they would have thought, there is a man who is as good as dead. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. You see, put that with what Jesus says, to deny yourself, and you get a little bit more of the sense. See, to deny yourself means changing the center of gravity from ourself to the will of God. We deny ourselves and we pray with Jesus as he faced the cross, not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, I guess in many ways that's the heart of sin, isn't it? What I want, we change from that to what you will, what God wants. We die to ourselves. People could look at us and say, there's a man or a woman with no life to call their own, denying themselves in order to follow Jesus. And when we deny ourselves, it means giving up our self-will. And I guess self-will is that kind of stubborn adherence to our own desires and ideas. The thought that we are the ones who will shape ourselves and what we are going to do and what our future will look like. Which is what we do sometimes with New Year's resolutions. We decide what we want to be like in the new year. So we think it's my time and I decide how to use it. It's my money and I decide what to do with it. It's my work and I decide how to approach it. It's my sexuality and I decide how to view it. It's my family and I decide how to honour them. But Jesus is saying we give up all of that to him. We deny ourselves and take up our cross. It's a big call. Now there's a resolution which is really striking. Come and die and lose yourself. That seems to turn our natural expectations of everything that we would expect on their heads. And yet that's what Jesus is calling us to. Now, when I was a, a, physio, a physiotherapist, I used to, one of the tasks I had to do was to do risk assessments for people when we were moving and handling brain injury patients. Now, when I first started thinking about doing risk assessments, I thought it was about saying, if there was a risk, then you can't do it. 
Uh, but I learned there was much more to it than that. And one of the things you have to do is as you assess the risk, you set, aside, you set alongside that the benefits. Uh, so for everything, there's a risk and there's a benefit. Uh, so for example, you might be a fun-loving adrenaline, adrenaline junkie, like doing bungee jumps. Now, there's an enormous risk there, but for you, there'd be a great benefit. And so that even though the risk is enormous, the thrill outweighs that risk, and so you do it. Now, in many ways, it's similar to what businesses do when they do a cost-benefit analysis, the kind of analysis where we consider a new course of action, you calculate the cost and the benefit of doing it. Well, what Jesus does when he gives the call, he does that kind of cost-benefit analysis for us, if you like. You see, it's only natural, isn't it? He's calling you to take up your cross, to deny yourself, to give up everything for following him. And so he shows you the cost, but he shows you the benefit. And what we will see is that although there is a cost to following Jesus, the benefit of following him so far outweighs it that we would be foolish not to do it. But firstly, just look at the cost or the benefit of not following See, in verse 35, we, we see a number of contrasts. And the, the, first of all, we see what happens when we don't follow. Firstly, you might save your life here and now. You see that in verse 35. If you don't follow Jesus, you might save your life here and now. Verse 36, Jesus seems to say you could gain the whole world. The implication of verse 38 is that you could avoid the shame of being a Christian in a world opposed to Christ. You see, if you like, you could say there's benefit to not following Jesus. There might be great gain now for not following. And we can see people like that all around us, can't we? People who are self-made men and women who have it all and have a good life. Now, I guess living in Fullwood, we see that in many places as we walk around. And we too can be seduced into thinking that we can gain the whole world ourselves and guess sometimes we work hard for that. Maybe that's what your New Year's resolution is for this year. And if you were to read over the page into Mark, you would see in chapter 10 an incident of a man who was exactly like that, a man who was rich, who had it all, who gained much in the world. And Jesus told him to give up everything and come follow me. But then we're told that, that this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, a man asked to give up everything to follow Jesus. He had everything, but he went away sad. He couldn't do it. He had it all, life here and now. He had the whole world. He could avoid the shame of following Jesus and he couldn't give it up. And so he went away sad. You see, it's a tragedy because look what Jesus says in verse 35. He might save his life now only to lose it. See verse 35? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. You see, he might gain the whole world now but forfeit his soul. Verse 36. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? He might avoid the shame of following Jesus. But Jesus will be ashamed of him when he comes again. Verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. You see, you could gain the whole world. 
But that would be of no value compared to what you lose. I wonder whether we believe that. And if that's the cost of and the benefit of not following Jesus and the cost is so great, then what's the same for following Jesus? You see, there is costs. It's denying yourself. It's taking up your cross. It's following Jesus. It is, as it says in verse 35, losing your life for Jesus and for the gospel. Did you see that in verse 35? But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel losing everything for the gospel, working for the gospel, giving everything for the gospel, which is why Jesus goes on to talk about being ashamed of his words. For it is in his words that we find that gospel message. And Jesus wants us to be unashamed about those words. Being unashamed of Jesus' words, which may this year put us in conflict with other people. You see, to be following Jesus means to be focused on and following his gospel. It means then that we'll listen to his words. See, that's why Jesus says, if anyone's ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation. You see, they're stark words, but when we follow God, we change our thinking. And we think, I want to listen and I want to know God better. I want to listen and do what God says. I want to live and do what he says and I want to speak his words. You see, it means accepting what God says and submitting to it in its entirety. You see, if we're not going to be ashamed of Jesus' words, it will mean that we will need to have the attitude of thinking which says, Jesus is the king and I'm going to lose my life to him. So when we come across something in his words which doesn't quite sit with us, We don't just reject his word and do what we want. Rather, our attitude will be, I'm going to obey what God says and I'm going to work to understand it. See, Jesus is not asking us to take him up as a weekly hobby. He's talking about a total reorientation of our lives. And so it means that we will grapple with the hard issues. This year we'll need to think about our time and how we use it our money and what we do with it, our work and how we approach it, our sexuality and how we view it, our family and how we honour them, all in the light of God's word. All by coming to him and submitting ourselves to what he says. And as we commit to doing that this year, then we will find life which is far better. And as we commit to doing that, as we commit to denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Jesus, not being ashamed of his words, following his gospels, it means at the very least we'll have a commitment to listening to and learning from Jesus. You see, it means that we will be coming to his words so that we can know what he says. So we will read it. Not so that we think we've got brownie points and the day is going to go well because we've done our quiet time, but so that we will see how we should be thinking and how we should be acting so we'll be understanding our God more. It'll mean coming to small group with the attitude of wanting to listen to what the Bible says and to understand that and to think with each other how it applies to our lives and how we're going to be changed and different in light of it. It'll mean coming to church week by week as we come to hear God's word preach and wanting to change, wanting to understand and wanting to do what God says and coming to encourage each other to do that as well. 
And as we do that, as we are a people who take up our cross and as we follow him, as we submit ourselves to him, we will find great, great, great benefit. You see, taking up your cross, denying yourself, losing yourself brings great gain. Do you see what Jesus says, verse 35 again? Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. When we lose our life for Jesus and the gospel, we save our life. We actually find life. In another place, Jesus, Jesus says he came to bring life and life to the full. In the gospel of Mark, we see Jesus bringing the world that we all want. He deals with sickness and evil and death. And Jesus ultimately came to deal with the problem of our human sin. And to do that, he loses his life before we lose ours. You see, you've see, you heard before, but Jesus is very different to other religious leaders. See, other religious leaders tell their, lose, their followers to lose themselves while they sit in comfort and watch them doing it. But Jesus here went to the cross ahead of us. He didn't go a place that we, he isn't calling us to go to a place where he didn't go. Now we read about it in our reading, verse 31. Jesus knew exactly what he came for and what he was to face. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. See, Jesus knew the cost, and a much greater cost than we will ever have to give. As he went to the cross, he prayed those words, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He was then arrested. He did suffer many things. He was then hung on a cross where he suffered the horror of God's wrath being poured out on him. Also that we don't have to face that horror. Now he faced death on a cross so that we didn't have to. He lost his life so that we might gain our life. And as we lose our life now, we actually find it. Now Martin Luther again used to describe the effect of man's sinfulness of a, as turning ourselves in on ourselves. And so he spoke of the man curved inward. Now the sinfulness causes us to turn in on ourselves that we seek then to please ourselves. We seek to get ourselves ahead. And we do everything for the benefit of ourselves and in the end we destroy ourselves. But Jesus is telling us to lose ourselves. Primarily that means we turn ourselves out to God and Jesus becomes the center of our lives. And as we do that, we then turn ourselves to others as well and to each other. We give up our life, but in doing that, we find great life. Life now, but ultimately life for eternity with God. By denying ourselves, we become the people that we were made to be. People who deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Jesus, don't end up losing at all. Because they gain everything. I wonder whether you will determine this year to find life not through self-improvement, but through taking up your cross, denying yourselves and following Jesus, our King and our Saviour, who went to the cross to bring us life. See, let's resolve this year to be a people who truly deny ourselves take up our cross and finding the life that comes when we do that very thing. 
Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, these are hard words we hear as we hear the call of Jesus to deny ourselves and take up our cross and to follow him. Father, would you help us to be convinced of the truth of these words, to see the great gain there is when we give ourselves to Jesus. And Father, may we submit ourselves to him. Would you give us the resolve this year uh, as we go through the year and constantly to be those who are uh, changing the center of our gravity from ourselves to Jesus, more and more seeking to conform to his will, more and more praying not what I will, but what you will be done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.